Dirty rags, dirty rags. We gonna go talk about dirty rags. Dirty rags, dirty rags. Gonna go talk about dirty rags. Dirty, don't bring me dirty rags. Welcome to the Reclaiming Reality Podcast. That's gonna be a really weird intro here in a second, but we're talking about dirty rags today. And I mean that in a very unfortunately serious sense. This all started off with this will probably be part one of two involving the schism that we have between what is real and what is right. Now, this is a personal cause of mine and one I feel as if I need to champion because I have come to a number of really tense and awkward situations with people in my own church, people whom I've known and people who I've got way too emotionally carried away with over this topic of what is right versus what is real. Now, there are two camps in this battle of actuality, right? There's the right camp, which are the people who know the way that they should act. They do things properly. They go about the right way. And they're usually very safe people. They know all the right answers. These are the people that you know. They're like, I know every single word to John 3.16 and all of the other Bible verses and stuff, but still somehow struggle to actually live them out. You know, um, this is also, you know, in some extreme cases, that person who was at the party on Saturday night getting a fresh and dancing on all of the people. And then on Sunday morning, she knew every single word to every single Hillsong song and knew what the pastor was going to say before he even said it. And then that's an extreme example. Now, there is a lot of people on that spectrum Right, there are some people who just know things and they're very knowledgeable about their faith or anything or the way that they're supposed to behave. Customs and courtesies, pinky fingers and social decorum and all that goodness. And they're very trained, well-trained in their craft. Those are the right people. Then there's everybody else. Which is either the camps, really the greater realism camp. This is the people that say, I am jacked up and you know what? So be it. Now that varies the spectrum too, right? Those are the people who deny, you know, hey, you know, I feel like all this pressure to conform to these ideas that I didn't come up with and I really don't like and don't make any sense to me. So I'm going to go live my life. And I'm going to go do whatever I really want to do because I'm going to live in authenticity to myself. Um, Of course, that's also one extreme when you're out, you know, being crazy and wild and doing all of the things that you want to do, given you don't really have a moral metric. Right. And to be honest, I feel as if I am more of the latter. I am definitely 100 percent camp realism all the way. Um, and by that, I mean, I'm not a perfect person. I thought for the majority of my life that I was a just complete idiot. I didn't think, I still don't think I'm very good at a lot of things. And that's something I struggle with, right? But I am of the belief that, you know, this is the way that I am. And I'm going to live the way that I am in authenticity to myself. 
ultimately, because when it comes down to it on the final days or whenever I look up and I'm laying on my deathbed, at least I'll be able to say, you know what? I didn't do everything right, but I did what I knew was best in my own heart. And I won't be the person who's laying on their deathbed saying, I missed out on so many opportunities to be what I could have been. But instead, I spent all my time trying to be what I thought I should be. This is going to be a really weird jump. But if you don't know at this point, I'm an incredible Marvel fan. I love all the Marvel movies. And there's a scene in Avengers Endgame where Thor rolls up on his mother, Frigg, and... She essentially tells him that everyone fails at being who they're supposed to be. And that kind of stood out to me because we are oftentimes, especially in the church and maybe outside the church in a lot of ways, that we are inundated into these norms and these behaviors to be something that we are not, period, dot. That's it. I'm not this way. I'm not that way. And... I should be this way. You know, I should be very proper. I shouldn't cuss as much as I do. I probably, I definitely shouldn't drink as much as I do. I do it socially. Not, I'm not an alcoholic. Don't worry. Um, but you probably shouldn't be drinking at all. That's beside the point. Um, but I'm not going to attempt to be something that I'm not. I'm going to be the person that I am. The reason I bring this up today is there are a lot of people that I've met over the course of my life, and there is one that sticks out in particular, but this person has a million clones. They are the person who knows all of the right answers. And they live in it, and you can see them struggling day by day by day to maintain the standard of what they think they should be or do. There's a book out. I, I Unfortunately, I don't know the author's name off the top of my head, but it's called The Cure. And in The Cure, there's a character who goes about their path on this road, and they roll upon a fork. And on the fork on this road, one sign says, trusting God, and the other one says, pleasing God. And initially, he goes to the road that says, pleasing God, which in this case, for those of you who are following the analogy, this is Camp Wright. And he goes about the pleasing God way and he rolls upon the room of good intentions. Assuming that's a guy. He rolls upon the room of good intentions. He finds a bunch of wide mouthed, grinning people who are doing all of these amazing things. They're going to church. They're doing mission trips. They're supporting their local blah, 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 blah. And he sits in there for a while. And he realizes that he's being exhausted by this conformity to doing these things. And that's very odd to me. But it's also very real to me. And I think a lot of us face the struggle where we have been told to be this way and do these things. And all of a sudden, it's like you're tired. You're tired of being a good Christian, quote unquote. So the character in the book, he leaves the room of good intention, goes back up the road, comes to the fork of the road and goes down the road that says trusting God. That is camp realism 
And this is the same path that I walked over the course of these years to get to the point where I am today. So he comes into this room. And you have to forgive me, the name of the room doesn't resonate off the top of my head. But he goes into this room and he finds a lot of broken people. A lot of people who really want to do good things, but they realize that by their own strength that they have no way of accomplishing these things. And he sits there. And there he meets Jesus in this room. And he comes, he comes confesses. He's like, in the case of me, he's like, listen, I'm a broken man. I've tried a lot of things. I've loved a lot of people and I've lost so much. And no matter what I try to do, it seems that I cannot break myself free from the things that hold me back. Whether that be pride or lust or desire or ambition, there's no way I can set myself free. Well, which is what I would say. But, and he's like, listen, it's not in your nature to be free. But because he talking to Jesus at this point, because I am Jesus, you are man, I can change your nature. So that inevitably, and the more time you spend with me, the more you'll begin to look like me. Which should make good sense because that's every relationship you've ever been in. If you're in a relationship with a person, eventually you're going to look more like them. And his nature changes. And he comes to a point where he authentic, authentic, authentically, excuse my brain fart there, authentically becomes to look more like Christ. And he takes up that mantle of being a real Christ follower. And he doesn't do so because of his own strength and or the intentions that he has. He does it through God changing his heart. I think this holds a lot of weight. For me personally, this is the model by which I live my life. Because I can't do much on my own. I can wake up and poop. That's about it. Sorry if that was gross for y'all, but it's about to get worse. I can't do much on my own. I really can't. I need, I need intervention primarily from God. Um, Because he's good. And he changes us from the inside and changes our nature to be more like him. And if that's the case, then we really shouldn't be striving to be something we're not. We should be going to the source, the creator, the originator of this new life and trying to embrace who he has called us to be. And when we believe that who he has called us to be, then we begin to live that out. Now, what does this have to do with dirty rags? There's a passage in the Bible. It is Isaiah 64, 6. I have it written right in front of me. It says, all have become like one who is unclean. Note that word. And our righteous deeds are like polluted garments. Some texts say filthy rags. And we all fade away like a leaf because of our iniquities. Like wind takes us away. Now, there's a couple things you need to know about this. There's an app called Blue Letter Bible. There's also a website. I highly recommend everybody to go to that if you want to find a translation so that you can understand more precisely what the text actually says. All who have become unclean is a reference to a woman who has become unclean because her monthly menstruation, if I pronounce that word correctly, she's having a period. 
all have become like who, one who is unclean. And our most righteous deeds are like polluted garments. The exact translation to that is Ida Beged. I probably butchered that. Ida Beged, which literally translates to period cloth. I'm sorry, that was a little bit adult for anybody who's under like the age of 11. Ask your mom what that is if you don't know. And I'm sorry, moms, for whoever has to hear that. But that's what it means. Your best action, the best that you can do for God, is equivalent to a used tampon. That's pretty low. I've never once thought, you know what I can use today? I, I would have a wonderful day if I just had a used tampon. That's gross. I'm sorry. Like, it's... All natural with a woman's body, and it's a beautiful thing, and it does amazing things. It creates life. That's incredible. But that one particular part is not exactly appealing to me. I'm not sure it's appealing to them. I'm pretty sure people don't trade those. That's gross. But if that's the best that we can do, at that point, you're kind of talking about a margin, right? If you're going to work so hard to be something, striving so hard to be in camp right and look like a good Christian and do Christian things and all that gets you is a dirty tampon, you might as well just be authentic. You gain nothing. Nothing. Well, you might gain the difference between, you know, a day-old used tampon and not so... I'm sorry, that's really gross. Back to the topic. You don't gain anything by faking it. You don't gain anything by forcing to be something you're not. You don't gain anything by trying to be that which God has not made you to be. And the only way you will be made into a creation that authentically knows God and pursues him is if your heart is changed by the Holy Spirit. And that comes through knowing Christ. The unfortunate part about that is a lot of churches today don't preach the gospel. Let me say, they do not preach the gospel. They preach the law of attraction. They pray the give me gospel and the Jesus plus gospel. I'm talking about the God who said, I love you so much that I'm willing to die for you. And despite your sins and everything that you've done wrong, that is the love that you need. You were dead in your sins, yet God came down and rescued you. So that you can live life and live life in abundance. And no, that doesn't mean having things. It means living life in abundance. I can't believe I'm digressing on the gospel. There's another verse. This one's Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's kind of another one of those Bible verses that everybody who claims to know Christ should know. As a for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And it is not of your doing. It is a gift of God. Not as a result of works that no one may boast. And the reason I bring that up is therein lies this concept of a gift. You don't strive for a gift. If you worked for a gift, it wouldn't be a gift. It would be a wage. That's like you got paid for it because you earned it. But that's not the case. It's a gift. In the same way, you know, you can ask for a gift, but it's kind of more of a favor, you know? But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the gift that God saw 
He saw you. He saw what you needed. He saw what you could be. And he gave it to you. The other part of a gift is that it comes without condition. You understand? That you can't earn a gift. But you also can't lose it. If someone's willing to take a gift from you, that's because there's something wrong with them. But there's nothing wrong in God. I'll say that one more time a little bit more slowly. If you do something to a point where somebody wants to take a gift back from you, it is with, that's on them. Because for some reason, they believe that they are not willing to be perfectly forgiving in the manner that God is perfectly forgiving. That That's just the way that it is. So you can't gain it, you can't lose it. You can't, and if you did try to gain it, then you're talking about, you know, filthy garments. So why are we strive so hard to be something that we're not? I would encourage everybody who's hearing this to consider just not coming to know God and letting him change you. Letting him change you. This has been Reclaiming Reality. We talked about dirty rags. Dirty rags, dirty rags. And we'll catch you all next time. Oh shoot, forgot to cut.